Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everyone, welcome to Group Text. We have an icon with us today, Norma Kamali, one of the greats in fashion. You've got a new book called I Am Invincible, which we'll get to. You were the mastermind behind Farrah Fawcett's iconic red swimsuit, which is in the Smithsonian. And you have, I mean, you've, I I hate to say this, but you have spanned decades. Yes. Being successful in the fashion industry, everything from the Diana dress to the sleeping bag coat, which is still, I mean, could it be any more in fashion right now? This thing has like, it's like a cat with nine lives. Totally. You totally got it. It's that. It's, it's, you know, I went to, to get one the other day and I'm like, wow, I'm still way too small and short. Um, because <laughs> I was probably ordering the wrong size. Anyway, I have so many questions for you. And I, I've been aware of your work. Obviously, so was my mother for decades. But I never knew. How did you get started? Well, uh, this is my 55th year in business. And um, I, I wanted to be a painter. And my mother said, you know what, you're going to want to pay the rent because I'm not paying your rent. So <laughs> let's think of something else. So I, I got a scholarship to FIT for fashion illustration. Um, I graduated and I had a horrific first sort of uh, job interview, some sleazy guy who just, I was so humiliated and embarrassed in that interview that I said, I'm not going to do this fashion thing. I'm going to travel. I looked in the New York Times, which is where you could get a job at the time. And I saw a job opening in the office of an airline. And I took it. I had no office skills whatsoever. I don't know how I got the job, but I- What what airline? Northwest Orient Airlines, may I help you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, so I got a job and I traveled round trip to London for $29 round trip for four years And this was the middle of the 60s. This was really right in the beginning of all of this crazy, wonderful stuff happening in London. And I really loved that, you know, that was what I belonged to. The fashion before that was all, you know, the... um, the corseted bra, garter belts and stockings and, you know, that type of look and that mentality. And I hated it, but I definitely connected right away and I felt very inspired and I 
really flourished. And I opened a store. I brought clothes back for friends. There was no such thing as a mini skirt before that time in history, right? Wasn't it Mary and, Mary Quant? So it was it was bus stop, Biba, um, Antiquarius, a lot of this very Mary Quant was a little bit more commercial that mm-hmm. came a little later, but right at the beginning, um, there was just great mini skirts, little dresses, boots and stuff that just, you know, big floppy hats. None of that happened before. And and then I started to design clothes that I felt should be a part of it that I didn't see anywhere. And and I just I never had the idea to be a designer. I didn't want to do that, but I I just naturally felt it. And Within six months, I had a full page in Vogue and a full page in Harper's Bazaar. And I was like, holy shit, they're going to find out. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. This I mean, is my too- mouth is hanging exactly. open. So you still, let me just track this. You're working for Northwest Airlines. You decide to go to London. You travel back and forth for a ridiculously low amount of money. Right. For four years, you discover this whole new look, become obsessed by start bringing stuff back and open a storefront and it blows up and you start adding to what's in the store by with stuff you're making. And, and a year later, you're in vogue. Yeah. I mean- Well, so that's a little bit of whiplash from the bad was, interview. Especially, especially when you feel like a fraud and you don't know what the hell you're doing. I, I knew- I knew I was experimenting, but I felt like I was under a rock and nobody would really, you know, find me out. But then it was it was inspirational for sure to say, whoa, maybe I can do this. But then like, but I'm not qualified. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't really know any of this. And I guess that's how you either own up to it and live up to that expectation or you just run away from it. And I was, I was obsessed as I still am for some insane reason. There must be something wrong with me that I'm still so passionate about it, but I loved it. I loved it from the minute I felt the energy in London. Wow. You, you talk about that. You wanted to be an artist who was the first artist you remember seeing at an early age whose work stopped you in your tracks? Well, for me, at, because I was very inspired by um, Michelangelo. I mean, it sounds crazy, but my room in my house had Michelangelo everything. And then Rudolf Nureyev to me was a living example of what a Michelangelo human being would look like. So then I had him all over my walls and then a lot of dancers. So I do a lot of uh, costumes for dancers. I've done stuff with Twyla for years because it sort of went with, uh, you know, I studied anatomy and the human form, which is why swimwear is so natural for me and clothes that, are part of the body are so comfortable for me to do. But that was really my biggest influence in growing up, Michelangelo and um, 
just the majesty of the human form. Where did you grow up? New York City. This is a New York accent we have here. We don't. It's not. It's not a. It's not a very heavy New York accent. Remember, my mother had a real New York <laughs> accent. Well, we're very proud of our accent. Yes, so. I mean, it, it, your, your trajectory is is truly amazing. Do you, most designers do not go and study anatomy and all the things that you went and studied? Were people looking at you like, what's this? crazy girl doing? Um, I think I was very shy. Um, first of all, I got married at 19. Oh my God. Exactly. (laughs) Who was, who who was your first husband? (laughs) So my mother, my mother was a big influence on me. She was incredibly talented you know, a pioneer in a lot of ways, like your mother. I mean, these women really, uh, when they did something bold and different, they were first, right? right. And so she was incredible. However, when and and eccentric, and I've definitely become her. But when she went through menopause, I have to say, I had to leave that house. <laughs> <laughs> so I got married. Because you didn't just move in with somebody, you like, you had to get married. So I married, I married an Iranian student. I had no idea what the culture was. I grew up in New York City uh, in an Irish Catholic neighborhood. And clearly I'm not Irish Catholic. So, um, so I was you know, I loved my neighborhood. I had a great childhood, but I had no idea what an Iranian culture was about. But we got married and um, and we were married when I brought the clothes back. So we opened the store. Uh, I said, let's get the store open. He was going to Columbia. He sold the clothes in the store. I brought the clothes back and then I opened a sample room and started making them. And in that process, um, we developed this business together. It was probably 10 years later that we ended up divorcing because then you realize who the hell am I with? Who is this person? And, you know, what am I doing with them? And that was when then I became, um, my own, you know, it was my own company. So at the time, women clearly did not open businesses. Women did not run businesses. I couldn't get loans. I couldn't get, you know, um, any any real respect. I'm a design. I'm a fashion designer, and I'm a woman, and I want to open a business. Like you're a lunatic. Yeah, right. So you didn't do people, that. Yeah. So. And and I'm sure your mother told you many stories about her. Like, not that I don't think she or I or other women at the time protested about it. You know, we just like, we can't, I'll show you, we can. You know, we, we found a way that you can and, and we didn't spend time complaining about it. We just figured out how to get it done. And so that was really um, people thought I was crazy because I was doing something that typically wouldn't be done. 
but people thought your mother was crazy too, right? So it, it's just, it was the time. It was just the time wasn't set for people like us. What's it, you brought up that he that your first husband was Iranian. How did, and again, the culture differences. What did he think when you started bringing back all these mini skirts and little tiny tops? He must have, or his parents must have gone into shock. So, um, his family was very connected to the Shah. And so he was very wealthy, but he, and he was sent to boarding school at 11 into, to England. And so from 11 on, he really was away from home. And so he was very Western. His family, on the other hand, um, when they found out we got married, they all came over and didn't quite understand um, what I was doing in the picture. And they offered me a million dollars and a Cadillac if I would leave him. And I said, I don't even know how to drive. I'm from New York. We don't drive. <laughs> Get Cadillac, <laughs> and why don't you just speak to him? And I, I'm fine. I, I, I got married because I had to leave the house. I didn't, you know, getting married at 19 wasn't a goal of mine. No. So I was fine with not being married, and but he wanted to be married, and so um, there you go. The, the cultural difference was clear, and it took time for them to um, understand me and the kind of person I was and the clothes I was wearing. And I mean, uh, I looked a lot, I'm very sort of conservative in my behavior. Um, You know, I'm very thoughtful and I take calculated risks in my business, but I may look like I'm much more carefree. And so I think they had a difficult time at the beginning. It is fascinating that even at such a young age, you knew who you were. Yeah. That is so unusual. And, you know, for years you never saw that, but do you think women today are becoming much more or or owning who they are at a younger age? (sighs) That's a really hard question because... Um, we were expected to be more independent earlier on. Um, and then I think the parental involvement in children's lives became closer, actually. And so now um, I think it's extraordinarily close. I think families especially millennials are very, very connected to their families and communicate much more often than most of us did with our parents. But I think Gen Z, by the way, are more independent in a spiritual way, almost. They have a cause to save the planet. They have a cause to create a... um, a world that's not defined by gender or race or any of that. They're so clear. And um, 
I am, I'm just really very excited about their evolving kind of presence. And the women, the young women, are very strong and independent in a very positive way. They're still connected to their family, but they're, um, they have a sense of self, I think, um, stronger at an earlier age than maybe millennials have done. Um, and millennials have other strong characteristics, but I think that Gen Z is a very interesting and more kind of the, the kind of woman you're talking about. Well, I mean, you certainly embody that. And in your new book, I Am Invincible, we, you go through, I mean, you, first of all, you look unbelievable. Your energy is unbelievable. What are you, 75 this year? 76 this year? And like a complete lunatic have decided to get married. And I'm just like, I want, when I was reading about that, I'm like, does she hate herself? Like (laughs) what? (laughs) Who the hell gets married at 76? You know, but I want to talk about your book though, because you really give us, or you share with us your health and beauty Regime, And it's fascinating to me that you've been living a, a, a lifestyle that's now very sort of in vogue for years. Yeah. I, and it's, I, I think when my, so many of my friends were dying of AIDS, my, my method of dealing with grief and mourning was to try to understand why the immune system when it's compromised can lead to death. And, and I, I was my two closest friends, but um, my birthday is June 27th. One friend was June 26th. The other was June 28th. We were stuck like glue, right? And everybody in my industry, there was, it was just too much. I remember when my, my whole world disappeared. I sought out, information. And I traveled to the Southwest. I met Andrew Weil. I met Michael Pollan. I met Dr. Lodog. I met all of these people who were talking about um, lifestyle in a way, you know, I was eating bacon cheeseburgers and having bubblicious gum as I smoked my cigarette. That That sounds like my, that sounds like how I did it. (laughs) So I, but I realized that I was learning something really valuable and I adopted the lifestyle and I never really drank or, and I never, and I smoked for three years and not for a very long time, but, um, and I never did drugs for some reason. I had a sense that that wasn't for me. Um, So I was I was very open to accepting this information and trying to incorporate it in my lifestyle. And I did, and I did it very quietly because you really couldn't have a conversation like that. Even, even in like at 2000, if you talked about healthy lifestyle, everybody would say to me, Oh, you're such a kook. You're so crazy. And I would like, you know what? I'm not going to talk about it because I'd sound kooky to everyone, but I think 
the more people know about healthy lifestyle, the more beautiful you look, right? The more you learn about healthy lifestyle, the stronger you feel and more powerful. And and for women, the more powerful you feel in your body when you're, you feel good about your body and not to be thin, but to be healthy. There's something really incredible about that. And the name of the book is I Am Invincible. And I'm only invincible at certain times. If, you know, you read the rest of the cover, I understand invincible is something we all experience at selected times and it goes. And then you you look forward to those invincible moments where you really feel empowered, you've gotten things done you didn't think you could do, you feel like your hair, your body, your skin, everything's working, magic, and then it, you know, it goes away and you hope to get it back again. So the more times you can feel invincible, the more, you know, the more opportunity there is to reach your potential. And so that's really what the book is about, is like how you can take steps whether it's through lifestyle or other spiritual things, whatever it is that you can do. Why now? Why the book now and not five years ago? Well, or I, ten I, years ago. Yeah, I I thought there was another message. So, um, aging with power, not aging gracefully, not all of the other stuff, um, anti wrinkle, anti all of that. I decided that aging needed to it's sort of the last bastion of things that it's okay to age people out of a job age people out of a marriage age people out of a dating market and I really wanted to take a stand on being able to communicate my age say my age and be proud of it and start to say we should be able to talk about our age. We should talk about healthy lifestyle and be proud of being the age you are. I would not trade, and I mean this sincerely, I would never want to be 30 again. Definitely not 20. I wouldn't want to be 40 again. I did that. I'm 45, 50. I don't want to go through menopause again. I did (laughs) I don't want, I don't definitely, I don't want anything. I'm happy to know what I know now, to be in a company that's doing really well, that I'm having a lot of fun in, and to be able to help people because I I have information that can help them. I have, I have the means to help people. And so I'm thrilled to say to you, I'm 76 and in June, I'm going to be 77 and I'm doing the best I can to be as healthy as possible. There may be some genetic interference there, but I'm doing everything I can to live a life in strength and embracing my age and hoping that other people will talk about their age in in a way that makes them feel empowered by the knowledge you have at this time. Going back to knowledge, again, shocked you're getting married. Are you, you you're, <laughs> I pegged you as smarter than that. Just well, live together. 
So, you know, you are very intuitive. (laughs) Uh, Heads up. So we, over COVID, we spent a lot of time together. First of all, Ian Schrager, who's my best friend, introduced us. And at 65, I meet my soulmate. So there you go. So it's been Um, a while. Yeah. So we've been together. um, And over through COVID, we were like, we really, this is a lot of time we're spending together and we're really having a good time. We really enjoyed it. And so, all right, we talked about getting married and then let's get married. And we kept planning, okay, let's have a party, but COVID's still around. So we're, I'm, we're still not married. And we keep saying, you know what, we'll get married. Maybe if we go to Vegas, we'll just get married. So I don't know. We don't, we don't want to break what's working but we love each other enough to say we want to be married, but you're very intuitive, madam. <laughs> is, but is this what's inspired you in your bridal line? Cause let's talk about it. You are, is this your first bridal line? Um, no, I did 15 years of very special grand bridal gowns through a period of, and I have to say doing bride is the most stressful. Oh, I was going to say it. It. it it's. No. It's horrifyingly stressful. Uh, because you have the bride, mother of the bride, the best friend of the bride, the sister of the bride, and sometimes the mother-in-law of the bride. And there's a lot of opinions. But I. I did. I felt it was a very creative time. But then I said, okay, enough. Did that. I'm not doing it again. A friend of mine. Um, I, when my friends get married, I offer to do their daughter. When friends' daughters get married, I offer to do their gowns. And so I've done as my gift because I just, I love these people. So I want right. to do it. So I just did um, a wedding gown for a dear friend's daughter. And um, so she was coming up for fittings and I kept thinking about, other things that she might like even more than she thinks she likes. So I ended up with 12 dresses that I did (laughs) and I went crazy and I put them on 12 mannequins and I set them up in a room and she came in for her fitting and she was like, Oh my God, what is this? And she ended up picking the dress that was least like the dress she thought she wanted And she looked magical in it and wonderful. And then I had 11 other dresses and um, everybody here said, why don't we just do a bridal collection with these? So that's how we have a bridal collection. Is it, are you having fun with it? So much fun. Are you allowed, are you allowed to be you in it? Because like so many of your designs literally look like they're, Origami is the wrong word, but your architectural prowess in these dresses is so edgy still and different. Do you, are you having, tr- not trouble, are you being challenged to go softer and less um, architectural and edgy? Well, I'm... You know, 15 years ago, I made a decision not to sell to department stores because 
department stores were taking a lot of designer companies down and I own my own company. I didn't, you know, I protect my own future. And so my CFO said, you're crazy to do this. You know, where are we going to get the sales? And I said, we'll figure it out. So over a two and a half year period, tightening the belt, the whole thing, I transferred my company to become an e-commerce company where we sell to Netta Porter matches, like all of these. Right. And they were just coming up. And so my clothes are doing extremely well, extremely well on global platforms that um, not only cater to women that are like 25 to 35 who have no idea who Norma Kamali was at all. They have no clue. And and also to women that are older and um, like on Netta Porter and Matches and My Teresa. So the collection is doing very well because I have a great price point and mm-hmm. the fit is really good. And, um, and I'm able to approach a broader group of people. If, if people were shopping, say, in my store, and somebody 25 and somebody 55 were shopping in the same place, it wouldn't be the same. But when you see the collection in, on different platforms presented in different ways, it's really very successful now. And so the best thing I did, especially through COVID, was to be an e-commerce um, brand. And so I haven't modified my edginess, but I, I found that through e-commerce, I was able to connect better to a broader audience. What do you, do you have a uniform that you wear? I'm always interested in that with designers. I think designers probably more than anyone have uniforms. When I'm doing the collection, I don't want to interfere with the collection. So right now I'm at the um, fabric development stage. Some of the collections being developed, but starting next week, I go into my uniform and my uniform is usually um, a t-shirt and leggings or something where you just not noticed. And, um, and so I try not to interrupt what I'm looking at in the mirror or what I'm interacting with. And, um, and I, and I, I've been wearing, platform Crocs through COVID and I'm still wearing them. I think I even wore them to a wedding on the beach. (laughs) (laughs) At one point you give way to comfort, no matter who you are. And it's sort of talk about edgy. It made what I was wearing look a little edgy, but I think comfort is, is a big factor for everyone now. Right. And I'm right in there. Well, I, I could talk to you forever and ever. We didn't even get into that. You were the first one to really start to use parachute slash nylon before anybody. The iconic sleeping bag coat, which 
Andre Leon Talley, one of the greats, lived into this day. And the fact that one of my very first photo shoots, when I first started working in my late teens, I wore a red checked flannel shirt dress (laughs) with shoulder pads. That was Norma Kamali. That's, I know the dress. I I am such a huge fan. Again, the book is I Am Invincible. It is all about health and wellness and how at 76, you can look like Norma Kamali. I don't think any of us will be as smart as you, but we can at least look like you. And if you ever actually do walk down the aisle, consider yourself congratulated. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And warned. And warned. warned. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you, Melissa. So nice meeting you. 